What is up, guys? New Guys Podcast, episode 19, I want to say, episode 19. 19. It's 19. been a while. Um, we've got a whole lot to talk about today. Uh, straying from the theme, a couple previous episodes, but we want to open it up with uh, Ask the New Guys. We threw something on the Instagram page earlier, uh, just asking for people to drop some questions that we'd answer it on the pod. So this one is from Connor underscore one B on Instagram. And he asked, what are the chances that the NFL season gets played? And I, I think that there's a 100% chance that they start week one. I think there's a 100% chance that week one happens, but I think it's a very different question as to, do I think that the season will be played in its entirety? I think that there's a lot to be said about that one way or the other. Jordan, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think that week one is guaranteed. Almost, if it's not 100%, it's 99%. Just because I can't foresee anything that would take, that, that would make Roger Goodell lose money when he could e- quite easily play week one. And I think once you start getting maybe into, um, you know, m- medical experts and everything are saying like towards the flu season, it could get bad just because you mix the flu and the coronavirus with everything, it doesn't. You know, bode well. So maybe when cases start going back up in the winter, and you know, shit hits the fan, if if we don't get you know it under control, then I could see maybe a suspension of the season or something. But again, the NFL is going—they're easily the most profitable league out of every every major sports league. And Goodell is not going to, you know, quite frankly, let player safety honestly get in the way. I feel like of playing Week One, which is a horrible thing to say, but he's. I feel like he's that sadistic. So, yeah, I'd agree. You, you pretty much wrapped it up fine. That I think week one's 100%. And then after that is honestly a coin flip, I feel like, because anything can happen at this mm-hmm. point. So, You say that, and I definitely want to – I think it's going to happen now that you say that. But to an ex- to what extent, you know? I think we're, it's definitely going to happen because look at all the mistakes the MLB's making. Um, the M- NDA's not really making any. Besides Lou Williams, we'll get into him later. The NHL is um, just starting up, so they're still um, they're still getting used to the water a little bit. Yeah, there you go. Um, Canes, but baby. The NF- um, August starts Saturday, this upcoming Saturday, and the NFL's got a whole month to pick up on these mistakes that they're making and try and make their product better, not just in terms of quality and in terms of, like, all getting fans, all having the energy there, but in terms of player safety. They're definitely going to pick up on a lot of – stuff for that so i think what they should do is they should play up to october the end of october so around like week eight is the end of october and if and then take it week by week don't make every week guaranteed have the second half of the season have a plan for the first half of the season so you're just going to play the first eight weeks and then go into the um playoffs or whatever you got to take a little break definitely do that but Take it week by week once the winter comes because you don't want to guarantee anything and then everything gets shut down, you know? So, yeah. That's my take on it. Here's my thing with I agree with like all basically what you guys said. Definitely, start of the season is pretty much, I think, barring anything major that happens, you know, like a walk. But the problem is, like Anthony was saying, you know, you kind of got to play obviously week by week, day by day, because especially once you get into the November, December, you know, Playoff football, obviously, January and February, those are the worst months, really, for something like this to reoccur, like a second wave if there's no um, vaccine by then, which it doesn't really look like there will be. 
So, um, I'd say definitely, I'd say the first couple weeks, you could pretty much mark it down. You know, they're going to try to get those games in no matter what. But all it really takes, like we saw with the NBA, once Rudy Gobert got it, the whole league practically shut down in one night. So, it's really, really sensitive here as well. Um, I'll never forget that night. That's crazy. Wild. 311 day. Always a good day. And one thing we had, we were talking in the, the Ride the Wave chat earlier. I think it was yesterday or the day before about um, hub cities and how how the NFL could make it work. But there's such a drastic difference between the NBA and the NHL playing their playoffs in in a hub mm-hmm. city compared to the NFL playing their entire four month season in a bubble. You know what I mean? So it's like, and not only that, the NFL teams are bigger. There's more of them. You would need multiple fields in one city to be able to play. All NFL, you know, regulated and everything. So it just, like, I can't foresee them finishing the season, honestly. Um, just because I don't think they're going to go the Hub City route because it's too challenging. Um, but like you said, Anthony, we saw what happened. The MLB, now we've got the Miami Marlins exploding with cases, and no one wants to go to Florida right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, honestly, one of the big problems you have with traveling. That's where everything starts, you know, hitting the fan just because – you know, you're not you're not able to seclude everyone in one area and you know test everyone at the same time every day. Um, so yeah, I, I don't I can't foresee it. It you know the, the season finishing out, which really sucks. But yeah, and I think that's that on that. So the, moving on into baseball, like you were just talking about the Marlins uh, last night, we had an incident in the Dodgers Astros game where Joe Kelly, who wasn't even on the Dodgers at the time when the Dodgers and Astros were in the World Series against each other, uh, he threw at Bregman on a 3-0 count, and he threw at Carlos Correa. And he didn't hit either of them, but he threw at both of them. Probably intentionally, there's a little bit of a conspiracy theory that Barstool started, but it was most likely intentionally. Then he struck out Correa, made a face on him, made a face at him on the way back to the dugout, and then bench is cleared, and... Um, Personally, I think it was a pretty kick-ass move from Joe Kelly. But there are a lot, the thing that I have a problem with is that he got suspended for eight games for not even hitting somebody. He didn't get tossed out of the game, as as far as I as far as I remember. I don't think yeah. he did. Yeah, no, I he, don't think he, he got, got tossed. And especially in a sixty-game season, eight games was a whole lot more. Like it's the equivalent <laughs> of twenty-two games in a regular season, which is ridiculous to me. Yeah, and so. Um, Anthony, I know you're not a baseball guy, but I, I'm sure that you had something to think about, uh, you know, what he did there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I didn't really see what was happening, but I did. I did read a lot on it, and it's really, it's really split. Everything, everyone I know is on, um, on John Kelly's side, but I'm really trying to keep up with baseball. I got to do a better job. I'm honest. Yeah, but. The socks are playing. I'm keeping up. I'm keeping up with the socks right now. And we're not even going to mention that because, oh my gosh, it's, it's disappointing. Our bullpen is garbage. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I was like, and I agree. Everyone I've seen is on Joe Kelly's side. Pretty much every baseball fan, because every baseball fan hits the Astros now. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting. Like, Joe Kelly had no connection with. I mean, he we obviously he was on our team when we played um, in 2018. We played them. them. Yeah. Um, but he has no connection when the Astros were like winning the world, like with the Dodgers or anything when they won the world series. So there's no dismay there. So it's literally just, you've got to think it's just about the, the whole, you know, garbage can. Um, you wanted to clout. Yeah. 
Did um was that the year that Astros beat us in the in the playoffs or was that the year before? Was it 2016? Um, it was because we lost to the Indians. That was the it year. Was 20, that they, I don't think we made the playoffs the in 2016. Uh, 2017, we lost to the Astros. I'm pretty sure, and then we came back and beat them the next year. Well, 2016 was Poppy's last year. I remember we. Oh yeah. True. Yeah. But yeah, yeah that's a strong connection. But I was wondering that. I think I thought I remember that right. But, but yeah, mm-hmm. the suspension to Kelly is ridiculous. Like you said, Graham, it's it's 20, 20 oh, It's twenty one games or twenty two games in the grand scheme of a hundred and sixty two game season, exactly. and that's ridiculous for a, for not even hitting not even guy. hitting somebody. Exactly. And you've got to think that Manfred already knows why they're he's they're going after the Astros. Obviously, it's common sense. Everyone knows. And it's whether I mean now you got to think I, that yeah, our pitcher's going to be more careful. Our pitcher's going to be more careful, you know, about throwing at, at them or hitting them because they know what what comes down. Especially the teams that are in contention, you know, like if you have a, you know, a starter. Um, I don't know. Let's take Jake Degrom since we're playing the Mets. You know, if he throws at a at an Astros player, um, you know, and he gets suspended for you know six or seven games, that could be a start, and then maybe that's you know pretty detrimental to the Mets. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. I. I hope it doesn't deter anyone away from, you know, throwing throwing out their you know lower extremities and not drilling them in the head because we don't want that. But um, they definitely deserve some type of punishment because Bregman's smug ass look and Correa and Altuve playing it off like it was nothing. Um, I certainly want to see. I don't know if the Red Sox we do play them right sometime. I don't season. think we do have them this year. Hold on, I've got the schedule in here. That's ridiculous. Yeah, we don't play Houston this year. So I'm hoping any team, bro, the Yankees, I don't give a shit who you are, please. Drill one of Bregman, Altuve, or Correa, because all three of them deserve it. Just hit one of them. Just take the take the six games, seven games, whatever it may be, um, and make everyone happy. Here's the thing. It's like, I get that throwing at the head is awful and whatever. You know, like, I don't support that no matter what, even if it's the Astros. Um, but that being said, I mean, the equivalent of 22 games, like, in a regular MLB season, I don't really know what the suspension would be for throwing at the head, but I know it wouldn't be 22 games. So I feel like yeah. it'd be like, it'd be like five or six. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like, you know, if you're not going to do the equivalent, then you're kind of just, you know, kind of fucking the Dodgers, even and though he, it might not hurt that bad from the suspension. But even still, he didn't even get tossed from the game. He got yeah. suspended for something yeah. he didn't get ejected for. That's ridiculous to me. It sense yeah. at all. Well, and also, if you look at the pitch, Kelly, so it was a 3 0 count when he, when he threw up Bregman. And you could you could argue that he didn't even mean to throw at him. Like if you look at the way he opened up in his pitch, it looked like the flash fastball just got away. That's like, why I said it was conspiracy theories. Yeah, like I'd hesitate to, to say that Kelly. In, I'd like to think he didn't intentionally throw at someone's head because I'd like to think every pitcher. I mean that can really. I mean that could theoretically kill someone if you hit him hard enough in the head of the right spot. So yeah, I think I'd like to think no pitcher would actually intentionally go after someone's head. Um, so, like, I, I, even that, I mean, Manfred's got to put everything into context. If he's going to put the Astros, whole Astros situation in, into into play, he's got to also look at the count. He's got to look at, uh, you know, how, how Kelly's, you know, uh, mechanics were that pitch. Would he really go after someone's head? Like, there's got to be other things he looked at. I don't think Manfred looked at any of that. He just threw eight games on him and hopefully, you know, kind of quelled the fire that, you know, is starting to <laughs> explode with the Astros. Yeah. Example number one thousand. Why Rob Manfred is an absolute clown. Yeah, yeah, and worst, uh, worst commission. Yeah, he looks really bad right now. Yep. Somebody who does not look really bad right now is me. Because <laughs> if you recall, oh, I knew this was coming. I didn't know when it was going to come. Here we but go. I knew it was coming. Yep. Never going to hear the end of this. I called Jamal Adams to the Seahawks like over a month ago. 
Great. Over a now, ago, I, I, I just want to say something. If you watch the video back after you said that, I gave it a little, I gave it a little nod. So I would, I'd also say I called it too. Yeah, <laughs> but you agree with him. I mentioned you it first. With him, that's it. I don't, I yeah, don't yeah, care. Yeah, yeah. No, I no, mentioned no. it first. And if you listen even farther, I called what they get for him too. I mentioned two exactly first. exactly what they got for him? No, I, I said it's at least two first, and then further, further on down the line, I mentioned a third round pick or another player, and they got two first, a third, and a and another safety. I forget the guy's name, but he. I, I do know. remember you talking about the two first, like yeah, because 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 the Jalen Ramsey deal was the right. baseline. But right. if we want to get into that, like the Seahawks, I think it was a great move. I think it was an absolutely amazing move from the Seahawks because they needed somebody to bring back, you know, the safety position. Because when they lost Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor, like they haven't really had a solid safety since those two departed. And I mean, Shaquille Griffin is pretty good at the cornerback spot, I, but their secondary is lagging behind the rest of their defense right now, which is something they're not used to in Seattle. Yeah. And so especially if they can bring back Clowney, I think that Seahawks defense is worlds better than it would have been if they had just gone in without Jamal Adams, even though you're giving up two first-round picks. But, I mean, it's the Seahawks. They're going to be in the playoffs one way or the other. What does it really matter? So I think that I think that it was an incredible move. And, Pat, I see you looking something up right now. What do the Seahawks really do with their first-round picks anyway, though? Nothing. Yeah. whole lot of nothing. They're kind of like a whole lot of nothing, exactly. Here's yeah. the thing so, with, those, with that move, like, remember back when they had Cam Chancellor? Obviously, it sucks what happened to him with his, like, neck or whatever he hurt. Yeah. But people were shitting their pants when they had the, like, this guy's 6'4", whatever, <laughs> like, 235. He would literally, like, knock out, like, tight ends, like, on a weekly basis. Oh, yeah, he could hit. Like, yeah. like Jamal yeah. Adams, who can deliver the boomstick like nobody else. I mean, yeah. like, yeah. you, I mean, I don't want to go too into it. I don't know, like, all the specifics of it, but I mean, like Graham was saying, it's just like an outstanding move from Seattle, and they just put themselves, I think, at the top of the NFC if they yeah, weren't well, already. I think, I think this is one of those trades where I, you can't really point to a loser, just because both the yeah. positions the teams were in were like, the Seahawks are in that position where one player, whether it be on offense or defense, pushes them in further into Super Bowl contention. They're obviously Russell Wilson's, you know, not, I'm not going to say getting old, but he's in his 30s now. So you want you want another. He wants another Super Bowl. He wants one quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know the Jets obviously they weren't going to plan on signing Jamal Adams back. He probably didn't want to go back to New York because you know it's New York. Um, sorry, Anthony. I meant the Jets. <laughs> uh, I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> and uh, and so you know they get two. I mean that's a haul. I, I you you could even hesitate to say you know the Jets got more than you know what a lot of people thought they were going to get. I know you did say, Graham, two first-round picks, but I definitely would have said if, if the Jets can grab two first-round picks and a third out of, out of there and get a, and get a player with it, I would, you should absolutely pull the trigger. And um, I honestly think the Jets, like like I said, definitely came out with the with the best possible um, takeaway that yeah. they could have. Wait till and, they those first. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's what I was going to say. I think the Jets have the biggest potential to be losers of the trade compared to Seattle just because I don't have faith in the Jets management to take advantage of those picks. Yeah. What do they have three first round picks now? Probably two. I think it's two for next year. And then I get, I think they get, I think one of them was a 2022. Yeah. First round yeah. pick. If I'm not They've mistaken. got five so, first rounders in the next three years. Well, and who knows? So the, we, go ahead, Anthony. 
do you think they i don't know i think it was i think babs posted it or something something about you oh, not jamal adams trevor lawrence ending up in in new york how, i mean yeah how, how realistic do you guys think that is that's what i was gonna say like people are always like well they're not gonna be great drafters and stuff but that gives them more ammo for trades and mm-hmm. who knows if he's one of those maybe, first to trade up yeah, exactly. Or, or, you know, use them and, you know, a player to trade up. They're, they have a lot of ammo now. And so, you know, if they're able to but turn those players two. players are going to trade? Yeah. I mean. That's true. I, I don't know. Quincy and Nunwa? I don't know. Where, <laughs> no, I don't know, I don't know where Le'Veon Bell's position is on the team. Like, I know he's an elite running back. Yeah. But just, he, it just seems like he doesn't fit with them just because he yeah. belongs on a freaking contender. And he just, they just they're not, obviously not going to be a contender for a little bit. And so more I importantly. He has he belongs on a team with a good offensive line. Yeah, that's why he was so good on the Steelers. He had that little hesitation, and nobody ran like him. Yeah. And when you're on the Jets, you can't do that. Yeah, so I could see him maybe getting maybe not packaged in a in a in a draft pick uh, deal, but if they move on from him and they could throw a first in and get a you know a absolute stud or or even maybe get the first overall pick if they don't end up with it this year, um, you know. That would definitely be well worth it, just just from you know losing Jamal Adams, and we, it all goes back to the to the talk <clears> of like, on a shitty team, does a safety really make a huge difference in your uh, you know on whether you're gonna win eight games or twelve games? Like not really. Yeah. With the Seahawks, it's like that gives them an elite defense or close to an elite defense, closer to an elite defense, and it, and it's it allows them to you know maybe get one or two more wins just because of impact he has. But I think Jamal Adams on the Jets defense. Is was a waste of talent, it, both for the Jets and then in general. So, yeah. like I and said, that's I a hard it's a pill win. to swallow mm-hmm. for Jets fans. And I just want to address the Jets fans because I live here in New York, as Jordan um, nodded to earlier. If the Jets management plays their cards right, this is going to be the best trade they'll ever they'll ever make. Honestly, because you go up and get one of the, if you play your cards right in the draft this next year, this can it can turn around your entire franchise. I mean, and I get it. Jam- people felt so betrayed because Jamal Adams was the New York Jets. Like, everywhere you turn, it'd be Jamal Adams and Saquon Barkley. Those are the two faces of New York football, whether it's the Giants or the Jets. And I can see why Jets fans feel betrayed here because he was their star. He was that star player. Now that they have nobody, kind of leaves them feeling a little insecure with this with the Jets front office. They're a little um, infamous for um, screwing up their draft. But if they play their cards right, they're definitely going to win this, and there's going to be happier days. As much as that pains me to say, for Jets fan. Yeah, I want to see. I mean, I don't want to see it because I'm a Pats fan. I don't want to see the Jets succeed ever. But what do you, Jamar Chase on the Jets? That'd be a great pick. That'd be great if they don't have time to throw the ball. Yeah, <laughs> that would yeah. be. That's another thing. You know, something that's funny is I didn't. I didn't even like remember the set. The Jets went seven and nine last year, but like. It seemed like they were way worse than that. The schedule was probably like not good. You know, they had the Dolphins twice, obviously. But other 7-9 and nine teams were like the Colts, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Falcons. Like, But the Jets yeah. just seemed so much worse than all those teams. Yeah. And sure next year they will be, like no doubt. But, I mean, let's say Sam Donald didn't, you know, fuck around and get mono like the first six weeks. Yeah. Or mono made True. They could have gone like probably 9-7 and seven or something. Interestingly well, enough. And, and I don't know how much their defense obviously got it miles worse from having Adams, you know, leave. But I mean, they're going to have Sam Darnold healthy for if, you know, this is all we're all we're saying this thinking the season, if the season Mm -hmm. plays out, you know, fully normally, they're going to have Darnold for the entire season. Um, 
and they'll have Le'Veon Bell. And I think their offensive line got a, a couple of improvements. I don't know specifically who they got. but They I missed out on a- Jack Conklin, which was a big loss mm-hmm. for Jets fans because he went to Cleveland and okay. all the Jets fans were like, all right, let's get this dude. And that yeah. was the guy for them, and they missed out on him. Yeah. But I, I think in general, you could say they looks like they've improved on the offensive end maybe a yeah. little bit more. So, you know, like, I, like, like Pat said, if they had missed – Donald for five or six games, whatever it was, you know, you could chalk maybe two or three more wins on there and they're a 500 team for the first time. And you know, forever, I just want to update you guys on the Red Sox. Uh, I'm watching watching. (laughs) workman's pitching. There's two guys on bottom of the ninth. We're up two, and it's a guy on first and second with no outs. So workman's currently blowing this game. If he, if there's a base hit here, we're in a lot of fucking trouble, but we'll, we'll let you guys know you guys on letter listening. will already know what happened, but uh, well, you get to watch us go through this pain. Yeah. <laughs> talking about pain, uh, that's a great segue into talking about all of the Patriots defensive players who are opting out of their, uh, not even just defensive players, all of the pa- Patriots that are opting out of their contract for this year. What did you say, Pat? Thank oh, you my much. fucking God. <laughs> I'm not on that wave. Believe me, I'm not on that wave. I just felt like I should say it. What wave? I'm sorry. I, the bases are loaded now. Oh. Bases are loaded. Yeah, Shit. My bad. And tank for Trevor. No. Oh. No. That's, I don't know. Anyway, See, <laughs> that doesn't even deserve to be talked about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it does, I don't, I don't, I think it's an absurd take, but it's a take that a lot of Patriots fans actually share. Like, there's a, a good section of Patriots fans that just want to throw away the season. Get the first or second pick. Losers. Move up to wherever you need to to get Lawrence. Draft Lawrence and start over. So, I don't know. I, I'm. This is my belief of, of why players are mo- are opting out. I, I think that Belichick said, told anyone on the fence, don't worry about it. Opt out. I want players for a full season. If you can't give me a full season or you can't guarantee it, then just opt out now. Now, because of the contract situation with opting out for high risk or whatever, we now have Hightower for another season. And he doesn't expire this year. Same with Chung and same with everyone else. So, um, and and all their contracts, like the cap goes down considerably with all of them this year. So it gives us even more cap this next offseason. So look, we always make the, Patriots fans always make the, uh, in, gen- in general, NFL fans always make the, uh, like the analogy of Belichick's playing chess and everyone else is playing checkers. But this could be another instance where Belichick just knows what's going on and everyone else in the NFL is blind to what's happening, and we're looking at the making of a new dynasty in just a couple of years. Wow, right. I like that. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond Flip to that. It. POP, the power Flip of positivity, it. right there. Flip you got to look at the right side. Um, it's like that definitely goes into what we hear about Belichick. Like, for as much as like a stickler and like as like borderline asshole as he is, like in terms of like on the player to coach level or whatever, he's always been very down to earth and like respectful of players wishes and everything so he's definitely like you know if you feel like it's going to put your family at risk like you know no worries take the season off which i respect you know obviously bill belichick doesn't need to warrant any respect from a 18 year old kid from massachusetts but i respect him for that you know you know what i think would be hilarious if like if like chung or somebody who opted out who opted out pulled a dennis rodman and it was like went up to belichick and was like hey i'm opting out i don't feel safe and then just went to vegas for like for like five days and just disappeared. <laughs> That'd be hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah. One thing uh, I thought was was annoying was the amount of people 
that were ripping um, Hightower, Chong, Cannon, um, Bolden, all the players opting out. They're, the amount of ignorance, bro, that people are showing right now for, for um, you know, stating that they're, they're being they're scared, that football, NFL football players are scared to play. They're, you know, you just need to go play. You're getting paid millions, blah, blah, blah. And none of them ever did any research about what the health risks for, for those players are. You know, and, and again, the game of football, we were talking about it in the chat, is the most contact-filled if someone's going to get COVID in sports, it's going to be NFL. So, you know, to judge a player on whether they want to opt out, um, you know, for their safety reasons is so ridiculous. And if you're on the side of calling an NFL player scared or, or a pussy or whatever you want to categorize it as, like Whoa. you're an absolute moron. And I have no problem with saying that. I mean, it's just, there's just, it's just so annoying. I knew it was going to happen okay. too, but not to the extent of, you know, what actually did happen. I'm kind of going to rally off of what Jordan said. I just want people to know out there that it's calling every, calling them a bunch of babies or sissies. Or I'm not going to use the language that Jordan did. Look, we already broke them, the, we already broke the kids. Barrier. It's no, already, I'm going to, I'm going strong this episode. I'm calling them <laughs> sissies and stuff like that. Dante Hightower has like a two or three week old child mm. at home. Yep. And it's not, it's not necessarily about them being scared. They're trying to protect their families. Like that said, and maybe when maybe when the twelve year old internet trolls have a family for themselves one day, yeah. they'll realize. Get it. <laughs> Clip that. That's it. I'm done. I quit. <laughs> I quit. Clip that. Clip that. Jordan, that's a nasty cough you got there. Yeah, I know. COVID, dude. Jesus. Graham's currently time stamping that one so we can go back and watch it later. Uh, Lou Williams. <laughs> Lou Williams. Lou Williams is first of all like I don't know whether he's the biggest idiot on the face of the planet or if he's the biggest icon that we've ever seen because everybody's like oh James Harden's gonna leave the bubble oh uh, you know J.R. Smith's gonna leave all these other like players that are known for being like I just want you guys to know the Mets just scored it's a one point game bases are still loaded we're going to ignore the fact that Anthony just said it was a one-point game, and we're going <laughs> to – I I, I I don't know what to think about Lou Williams because he just completely left the bubble to go to this gentleman's club and just, like – it just came back. And he turned himself in, which was something that I thought was interesting. He turned himself in. Nobody snitched on him. He, he, well, he Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. No player snitched on him. It was like that guy's story on Instagram or whatever. Oh yeah, it doesn't set a good precedent though for other players. Like, oh, you can leave and come back and be completely fine. Well, he did get suspended. He did get suspended. Yeah. Oh, did he? Oh, good. Yeah. yeah, he's getting like. See, this is what I hate. People are like, like, yeah, just take everything out of it and be like, look, he was told to play in the bubble. You're gonna, you, you're. Everyone was tested. There's no fear of corona in there right now. And he's all he's thinking about is. The dinner he wants from a plate, like it's it's extremely selfish for You're him. Thinking about the wrong menu, Jordan. <laughs> Dude, he's. <laughs> I mean, that's it. that was what that was his take on Twitter, at least. So I'll yeah, go with what yeah. he says. Um, but like, it's just I don't know. I think it's I think it's really selfish of him. He he. All you need to do, bro, is just you, you're on the Clippers. You're looking for a title. You're the maybe the great the the best contender right now, aside from the Lakers, and you you know just kind of throw it all away to an extent of, 
you know, missing some of these first uh, couple you know, playing games, whatever you want to call it, for fucking wings. Like, this dude, dude is horny. He did not go there for wings. There's this is what we were talking about last week. This is what we were talking about last week. They need a gentleman's club in the bubble. It would solve all the problems. It would solve any contact. Dude, talk about, yeah. talk about spreading Rona quickly. Jesus. Yeah, for real. No, but I mean, if they, they among others. In the bubble too, and they were, they were kept in the bubble, it wouldn't be yeah. a problem. But yeah, I, I don't know. I hate the people defending Lou Williams. Just like knock it, like knock it that he made a mistake and he shouldn't have done it. And then he, him and Kendrick Perkins had some exchange on Twitter where Kendrick <laughs> Perkins said that like he was a fucking idiot and he was like and, just uh, enjoy the memes. Yeah, and then Lou Will claps back and says like this is the only thing you have on me. It's like bro, you fucked up. Like you're you're an idiot for doing this. Like just just stay. You, why are you putting everyone else's like season and maybe even lives in danger for you to go do whatever yep. the fuck you're going to do there. I won't even specify at this point because who fucking I knows? Wanna know. I want to know. We all know, Jordan. I don't know why you're denying the obvious. We all know. Because I don't want to put wor- I don't want to put words in his mouth. I'm taking what he said on Twitter to, to face. Lou Williams, if you're listening to this, please, <laughs> you, you can attack Anthony, Pat, and I all you want. But Jordan, he's good to go. Yeah, okay, so we've covered that. And now that we're clear on that one. I don't, hey, hey, you got to keep the integrity. You can't be uh, can't be making assumptions like that. Fair. I was about to go, I was about to go <laughs> full on. Like, yeah, I want the smoke, Lou Williams. I was about to drop my Addy. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> Flip it. Lou, Lou, Flip it. Breaking news. Lou Williams leaves the bubble to beat up. <laughs> <laughs> to, to go to Lindenhurst, New York. Yes. Oh, Dwindlehurst. He's, he's going to. If this video ever makes it to 4chan, he'll be able to find out where you live from the stickers on your wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, nice. So, that makes me feel safe. <laughs> Two hours, come on. Oh, really? We're down to it? Well, that gives me uh, time while this is wrapping Cespedes up. Out. I had a baby. Let's go. You game over? Yes, no, 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 Remember no. we had Cespedes? Two outs. Bases jacked, one run game. Who's up? Ridiculous. Uh, I don't know. I hope it's not Alonso. Yeah. It might be though, because Cespedes might be. No, it's not. It's Canal. Okay, that's that's Third <laughs> round, whatever. All right, so that gives me time, real quick. The NHL is coming back this week, and I am absolutely stoked. I am so happy. I am more excited for this than the return of any sport that we've had so far, because I feel like they've got they've certainly got the most unique return to play format, and yeah. I feel like that like the scrimmages have been really good quality. Yeah, the scrimmages have been good quality so far. Like the. Uh, I think it was the Lightning and the Panthers had a scrimmage the other day, and they, they got in a fight in the exhibition game. Like, yeah, that was awesome. I love, you love to see it. And uh, yeah. Peter Morozik, my guy from Carolina, uh, led in two of the first five shots on goal today from the Caps. Mm-hmm. So you hate to see that, but yeah, um, I, I just I love watching hockey. I love that it's back, and I could not be more ecstatic. Yeah, right. I watched. I watched. Uh... A couple, uh, the first two periods ish of the Caps Canes today, and it, I said it in the chat. It really, like, look, it's we, it's weird without any sport having. Let's go. That's it. Yeah, uh, let's go. Out of baby. All right. Two and four. Um, <laughs> what we like to say. It's weird without having any fans at all. Like everyone agrees with that. It's different for everything. But I don't know if you agree with me, Graham. But watching the game, I know they're piping in some type of some type of sound. It's really not that much different. It's it's almost like you're playing away every single game. 
That's kind of what I compared it to with the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no cheering. There's no massive cheers when you when you hit a big shot. Of course, like that sucks and everything. But it's almost like, look, you're just playing away every game. Like, you you you, you just got to keep that mindset. I feel like, and if you put that in your head, like the NHL has done a phenomenal job with with how they've you know done all the set the sounds and the um, the way they've like dressed up the arena and shit. It looks sick. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's gonna be. It's going to be great with, with them coming back. What is it, Saturday, first game? Yeah, Saturday. Yeah. And a whole big slate of games. They, yeah. need to get the, uh, they need to get the PA guy from the NBA to come <laughs> from the NBA bubble to come up there so that they can play, like, the Roblox oof sound whenever somebody gets, lays a big <laughs> down or something like that. <laughs> it's going to be, like, NHL 20 or something like that. Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention about the uh, Bruins, getting more specific with, with them, is so they released their practice lines today and – I guess you could take practice lines with like a grain of salt. Who knows, you know, whether those are going to stay true. But Jack Stadnika, who has been in Providence for the entire year before, obviously, the suspension of the season, who is arguably our number one prospect, maybe behind um, Beesher and Vakaninen, but he's definitely up there, who's been touted as someone who's going to be uh, the Krejci replacement, the Bergeron replacement, you know, for, for years to come. Is now playing on the second line on the wing with um, with Krejci and DeBrusque, which I love. And I had written an article a while back about those three that I just mentioned about the prospects and how they, you know, can help the team. Um, and I had said just Sednika has played all three positions, four positions, so he has a ton of versatility, and that could definitely come into play in the playoffs when they need someone to play the wing or someone to play in center. So I'm excited to see that. I hope I think he's going to be great. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that because that's definitely something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I know the rest of y'all aren't big hockey guys, but if you, <laughs> if you don't have anything, it's that time of the night where Anthony can get into whatever the hell he wants to talk about related to wrestling. Um, I'll do a little bit of pro wrestling and I'll talk. I wrote my article about the big supercar with Kyle Dake and Frank Chimizo this past week. I don't know if you guys seen that, but um. Yeah, it was, I'm going to get into that next, but when it comes in terms of pro wrestling, I'm having such a hard time getting into WWE's current product lately. Just dull, boring storylines. The only thing that I'm kind of interested in anymore is the Braun Strowman. And I mean, I mean, I know a lot of people hate Braun Strowman. They think he's boring and on the slip right there and stuff like that. But I don't know. I'm just excited to see The Fiend. But then on the flip side of that, you got a title. The Universal Championship that's already been made an absolute joke. They've already ruined that with putting it in the hands of Goldberg twice. Yeah, twice, I believe. And I feel like it's a title. It's a it's a world title. But they're putting it in the, the, the wrong hands, if that makes sense. You could be putting that belt on guys like Shinsuke Nakamura. You could be putting that belt on guys like I don't even know who's on that roster anymore. Put, put that belt on Styles and have him do a feud with Nakamura like he did, I think, in 2017. But that was complete garbage. Just run that back. But I'm, it's a, I'm just excited to see The Fiend um, win a title. But then on the, it's like, oh, it's the Universal title. If he was winning the World Heavyweight title like they did back in, like, 2011 when I first started watching the, that, that big gold belt, um, that'll make things a lot more interesting. But WWE's current product for me isn't that interesting. All Elite Wrestling, on the other hand, I just watched Dynamite before we started um, recording. I was watching it um, a little bit. I've mentioned on Babs's live stream that Chris Jericho is my favorite wrestler ever, and he's currently there, so I'm watching that to support him. But you can just see the difference 
in the two products. If you watched Monday Night Raw one week, and then you watched AEW Dynamite on on the following Wednesday, you can just see the difference. These the wrestlers just have so much more freedom to do and say whatever they want. They they're not following this strict script that's written by other people, almost like Jake Drake's Ghostwriters. Um, I know I had to I didn't I had to piss someone off. I'm sorry, but you could just I was I was listening to John Moxley cut a promo, and he. It just sounded so much more different than Dean Ambrose. Um, John Moxley and Dean Ambrose are the same person, two different characters. And I just wish we can make like a clone machine and just have John Moxley be the absolute crap out of Dean Ambrose. Because I think the two characters are on two completely different um, wavelengths, in my opinion. But the thing that caught my attention was MJF. Um, I can't remember what it stands for. It's some long name. I don't know. But he's definitely one of the best heels in wrestling right now. But he just cut this amazing promo. I, fr- I was on FaceTime with someone, and I was just watching in complete awe because this guy just delivered in just the most powerful way, man, you know? And he was just crossing every boundary because they battle with WWE's product, NXT, every Wednesday night. And they were talking about ratings war and stuff, and he was just saying why he should be the champion. And he was just given this... I can't even describe it, man. It just... Words can't even describe. It was awesome. AEW needs to put the title on him as soon as possible. Pro wrestling's done. Um, in terms of real wrestling, uh, I kind of touched on it in my article. I'm kind of going a little long here, so I'm going to keep it short. But pro wrestling, get your stuff together, please. You can be. You are on the verge of making wrestling mainstream. I mean, people say it's mainstream. Real like fans like myself will say it's mainstream, but it's really not. Because it's not, it's not, if it's not on television, people aren't going to watch it. People aren't going to subscribe and pay 15 bucks a month for a subscription that they might not even like, you know. And by putting together a super card like that, five matches with some of the best guys in the world, um, entertaining matches, Darian Codwell put on an absolute show. He lost, but he's 32 years old wrestling, one of the best guys in college right now. Lost 9-2 really 5-2 if he didn't go for a big move at the end and get put on his back, but that's a story for another time, but the um, I mentioned it in my article, the um, Flow Wrestling servers could not handle that many people being on the site at the same time and it crashed, but thank God they were able to um, identify the issue right away, and they got on it, they fixed it, but that's definitely something for them to um, work on, obviously, it's not gonna, it's their first time doing something like that, so it's not gonna be flawless, but it's a huge step in the right direction for them as a brand and growing a little bit and USA wrestling. Cause if these guys are competing against each other all the time, it's only going to make them better. You can only get better by wrestling the best guys. And I, I know that from experience getting beat up by the best guys in the room. And that about does it for me. Flo, get your, get your crap together. I'm a pain, I'm, I'm a pain customer. I'm still in shambles over the Drake comment. <laughs> I was watching Graham that Big whole time guy. after you made that comment. Sitting there looking so just, I don't even know the word for well, it. I had to put it in terms that he would understand. <laughs> wow. Big trick guy. Top 10 this week. That's coming from a metalhead. That's coming from someone who listens to Metallica still. <laughs> I mean, you're not, that's not, you're not like a, uh, like a lost. I don't even know the word. You're not necessarily a minority there. Like Metallica still has a pretty big following, but that's besides the point. 
No, but I listened to some pretty crazy stuff. So, but let's not get into that. Well, that's for after. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's off air stuff. This this week we're going back to football. Um, Pat, where did you come from? You look like the Undertaker sitting. <laughs> he just dipped off the screen and then did sat you, back oh, up. Did you see me? I was sitting back in my chair. I'm tired. Like I might just do my recordings back here from now on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, list this week. Top ten. We've got. We're going back to the NFL. Me coming out of the grave. Going back to the NFL. Uh, the one offensive position player that we haven't covered yet in terms of all-time rankings. We've done quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, but this week we have tight ends, capping everything off. And this oh, one was. <laughs> offensive guards um hell no this this list was kind of tough it, it wasn't it wasn't one of the hardest ones we've done but ordering it was tough like figuring out who should be on my list i feel like that was pretty easy but then getting into the order and comparing because the thing is that so many of the great tight ends played in completely different eras and for some of them, it the was still, has changed. Exactly. For some of them, it was still a running game when they played. For some of them, the tight end didn't get targets. And for some of them, they're playing now. And it's the modern era, and you don't know how their stats compare to those that played 40 years ago. So it's all it's all jumbled up, even more so for the tight end position than it is for the quarterback or the wide receiver position. So if, you, if we want to jump right into it, Pat, you can go ahead and give your honorable mentions if you have any. I have two, which are actually no. I have one. Sorry, um, John Mackey, honorable mention. Damn. All right. He's in a decent spot on my list, but yeah, he's in. Yeah, he's in. He line. was. All right. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. Who was gonna say? So? I could. Was that Graham? Who wants next? I I I thought that when I looked at Mackey, I didn't think that his numbers were like. You know, they weren't wowing. Yeah. But. Yeah. It's all. It's like I said, the era that he played in. So yeah, yeah. He helped oh, revolutionize I, the position. That's why you got to give him credit. Yeah, and, and I completely get that. I only have one honorable mention as well, and my honorable mention is Greg Olson. Okay. Very underrated in terms of tight ends, and people think that because he's fallen off so much. But when you look at his stats, like he's he's he puts up touchdowns. Hi, Jordan. <laughs> Yeah, right. I didn't even think that take was that bad. Yeah, I didn't think so either. I'm waiting for Jordan to I come back. He, I think he was genuinely doing something else, actually. He just he just left. He got up out of his chair and Computer left. Computer almost died, bro. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were getting up like you did. Have a notice. Okay, so for those of you that are. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan's computer just completely hit the stanky leg, and yeah. um, the recording stopped because he was the one who was recording the call. So if the audio sounds a little bit different, that's why. Um, I completely forgot where we were when we were talking about – oh, yeah, Greg Olson, underrated. Go ahead, Anthony. What was I saying? Okay. I Your had, three honorable mentions, yeah. Now my computer's completely bugging, so I'm just going to fix point. that real quick. Get my AirPods – Back on this, but I'm going to continue anyway. My audio might sound a little off. So honorable mentions, I have three, and I have a little bit of a shout-out. A little bit of a shout-out. My AirPod just connected there. So I just wanted to – so if it sounded off. Anyways, I'm talking too much. Um, Honorable mentions, I have Jeremy Shockey. I have Greg Olson, like um, Graham mentioned, um, and Dallas Clark. And as a bit of a shout-out, 
I have um, Vernon Davis. He didn't quite, he wasn't in my initial plan to make the list, and I don't think he ever was going to make the list, but I just think he's one of the most athletic tight ends ever, and I don't think he gets enough credit for what he's done with the 49ers and the, um, damn, who else did he play for? Redskins. No, before the Redskins, I think he played for someone else. Broncos? No, no, never mind that. I might be thinking of someone else, but yeah. His days on the Niners are definitely under, very underappreciated, and they're very forgotten, so I wanted to give him a little shout-out. Yeah, that's fair. All right, I got uh, I only have two. I got Jackie Smith and uh, Vernon Davis. That's it. Big talker. All right. <laughs> I don't so, really – I mean, Anthony, you know, kind of – I, I want to see. I want to see what Jordan's got. So Jordan, if you want to go ahead with ten to six, <laughs> ah, you can go ahead. You can go ahead. All right. So this is my favorite off. part of every week. This is I my know. favorite part of every week. There are 167 hours in each week, but these five minutes are what oh, yeah, I really? wrote for. 167. <laughs> wouldn't it be an even number? No, because it's seven days. This is in a. Keep going. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't it end in a one? Because it'd be 24 hours times seven. Oh, wait, that's 20. That, that would be eight. It would end in an eight. Okay. We're already on time. All much. right, let's go. So, number 10, I have Jimmy Graham. Number nine, nine. I've got, got Jason Wood. Number eight, I got Ditka. Seven, I have Casper. Six, I have Ozzie Newsome. That's it. Who's got next? Jimmy Graham. Wow. Okay. Dude, I knew that was coming. No, no, no. I see. I'm glad you cut out for that. Cut me off. Yeah, no, I didn't cut out. I just stopped talking. Okay, so (laughs) Jimmy Graham, he was a beast when he was on the Saints. But the thing for me is that he's only got the, like, he was only dominant for, like, three years. He was only dominant for, like, three years before he fell off. Because when he came into the league as a rookie, he was pretty good. And then he broke onto the scene for a couple years right when, like, around 2013. I think that was the year he had his first team AP All-Pro. Yeah, and then th- after that, he fell off quick once he got traded to Green Bay. I think – see, I, I think he gets over it a lot where he gets put higher than 10 when he doesn't deserve it. Gets put over guys like Ditka. Um where I do, I would agree with you that like he, he hasn't he hadn't had like some illustrious career where he like has been consistent for ten years. Yeah. But with his time in his time in New Orleans, he had three all three all uh, or three Pro Bowls. He was selected to the all team all first team once, like you said. But I mean he, his his yards and his touchdowns per season. I mean they're there. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean he's got two one thousand yard seasons and then a nine eighty two and eight eighty nine with his time in New Orleans with ten sixteen nine and eleven for touchdowns. I mean yeah. In, during his time, he's almost like a mini Gronk, and like he mm-hmm. was so fucking good when he was there. Um, but and then his time but, wasn't long enough to me. Sure, that's. Uh, I mean, that that's fine. I, I think that's totally reasonable. That's why I put him at ten. He, that's he just barely slipped in my list. I'll, I'll go ahead next. Then I've got at number ten. I've got Mike Ditka. Number nine. I've got Dave Casper. Uh, number eight. John Mackey. Number seven, Ozzie Newsome, and number six, I've got Jason Witten. I can I can roll with that honestly. What you got, Anthony? Okay, so I'm just gonna go off and say I my criteria. I'm, I don't know how you guys did it, but I went off the stats. Stats was big for me, and like we mentioned before, the position of tight end has changed so much over the years. So I wanna I implemented how they revolutionized the position, or mm-hmm. how much yeah. of an impact they made on their position at a given time. Yeah. And 
and dominance kind of really didn't play an effect because I think my top two would have been a little different if I implemented Uh-oh. dominance. So, <laughs> I can already tell nine, you're so mad at Jordan. Number <laughs> no, nine. Bro. <laughs> number nine. Number ten, I have Mike Dicka. Number nine, I have Dave Casper. Eight, Jason Witten. Seven, John Mackey. Six, Ozzy Newsom. A smart man. A smart man. Um. Okay, so I'll let Pat go ahead. You guys were in cahoots for the call. We, re- we really weren't. We were talking about Warzone and the Red Sox. I'll let Pat go ahead, but um, I have I have something to say about Anthony's list once he, once Pat finishes up. All right. So we already gave our mention. Um, I have Jimmy Graham at ten. Um, Greg Olson at nine. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I don't respect know. it. I don't know. If it's a good idea, but I'll roll. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, just stand cool. by. Stand cool. by. That's that. cool. Uh, Eight, I have Ozzy Newsome. Seven, I got Dave Casper. And six, I've got Mike Ditka. Now, that's high for Ditka because I feel like when people think of Mike Ditka, they think of the coach. And I think I know Graham was going to get on to that. We're on the same wavelength like that. Mm. But I think because they say, oh, Ditka won two Super Bowls. He won one as a player. I think he won like Super Bowl six or some crazy. Yeah, six. Something like that. Six, but is it the Cowboys or the Colts? Yeah, I think it Cowboys. was the Cowboys. And he won it as the head coach of the 85 Bears, and that's what people know him as. They know him as the mm-hmm. guy in that ugly sweater on the sideline. They don't think of the tight end, Mike Ditka. Here's the thing, though, too, I want to say, in his fa- in his flavor, if you will. Um, <laughs> like, I can't wait for this. Similar to, you know, John Mackey was an honorable mention of mine, but I have the stats right here. I'll defend my case. Mike Ditka played before John Mackey, and he has – more yards receiving, and more touchdowns. So if you want to look at a pioneer for the tight end position in terms of being a receiver, Boom. don't look any further than Mike Ditka. Okay, but, but. Okay. If some yeah, candy and nuts, Graham, I don't know the rest of the phrase, but there's something to go along with that. <laughs> Ditka good. also played more games than Mackie did. There's a reason for that. I give him credit Not for back. playing more games. Ooh. Give him credit for playing more Comes games. back with the longevity. Okay, but Mackey had three first-team All-Pros in his shortened career, and Ditka only had two in his longer career. Well, I respond. You know what? Maybe the judges were off a perk or something. <laughs> <laughs> perk 30s in the 60s, all right. So, so I, I mess with your list, Anthony, but my only problem is that I think you've got Witten too low, especially compared – to Ozzy Newsom because when I was making my list at first, I didn't even have Jason Witten on my list because I didn't I overlooked him. But then when you look at his numbers, like I've got him right here, he has played more tight more games at the tight end position than almost anybody on this list. Two hundred thirty nine games played. That's a lot. But he's got he's got two hundred and fifty one thousand two hundred fifteen catches, and he is one of only two tight ends with over a thousand catches. Only only two. So. That's ridiculous in its own right. He's got almost 13,000 yards. He'll trip that this season with the Raiders. And he's got 72 touchdowns. Like, nobody else on this list, except for maybe nobody on this list outside of my top five, has put up numbers like that. And so, even, that. even when you consider the fact that he didn't revolutionize the tight end position, he didn't ever win a Super Bowl. At, But I don't think that's going to – yeah, it's not going to happen. But, yeah, I I just – I don't think you can deny the fact that the numbers that he's put up are crazy. 
I mean, I can see the argument on my list because I go Witten, Mackey, Newsom. Mm-hmm. I can see, I can see the argument putting them over Mackey, and I'll give you that in terms of, um, in terms of stats and accomplishments. Witten wipes the floor with everyone in the bottom half of the yeah, list. Yeah, in the bottom half, yeah. But I can't. I feel like Ozzy Newsom really made the tight end position cool again in the in the in the nineties. I think he he played in the nineties. It was. Him and um, Shannon Sharp, who we will yeah. get to, those were the two. Those were the top two guys at the tight end position back in that in that decade. And I feel like Jason Witten has kind of been overshadowed by the um, the rise of the tight end position. He's kind of fallen off because you've had guys like Greg Olson had their dominant years, Gronk had the dominant years, um, Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, George. I can go on and on about the tight ends who have come out. Um, and really shines over the over the last decade and all of Jason Witten's career. Yeah, he's had his time, but I I feel like in terms of revolutionizing the position, like I said, you got to give the nod to Newsom. Guys, I made an oopsie. Oh, he forgot. He forgot okay. one of the. One he of forgot the sharp. No, so I had this person on my list, and then I was gonna move them, and I forgot to put him back in. Okay. But. Now I don't Just know run through doing. the whole list. Pat, go first. Run through your whole list, top, uh, bottom <laughs> to top. All right, all right, so this is what I have right now, and you'll see who I'm missing once I get through it. At, at five, I have Jason Witten. At four, I have Shannon Sharp. At three, I have Antonio Gates. At two, I have Gronkowski. And at one, yeah, I have Kellen Winslow. Kellen Winslow, yeah, which I originally had him at four behind Tony Gonzalez. Um, so. Wait, 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 wait. Four you behind- mean Antonio Gates? Behind Antonio Gates, yeah. I was like, if you have Gonzalez at three. Um, so, my real top five hmm, uh, would be Shannon Sharp, Kellen Winslow, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. Is oh, my God. Pat, are you okay? It's only going to here. I'm really in a funk. What were you doing before we recorded, bro? <laughs> you don't want to know. Uh, oh, no. Antonio Gates at three, Gronk at two. Tony Gonzalez at one. I'm a mess. Just move on. So okay, so that's Sharp, Winslow, Gates, Gronk, Gonzalez is your top five in that order. Correct. A very smart man because that's verbatim my top five. Boom, boom. Retweet. Oh, that's all the validation. I have the same top five. Oh, yeah. are you serious? Jordan. I have the same top five. Jordan, cap it off. Sharp, Winslow, off. Gates, Gronk. Right, cap it wait, off here. wait. Sharp, Winslow, Gates, Gronk, Gonzalez. Right. Yes. Okay. Just make sure because I got four, the same four, one. Four for four. <laughs> So here's the thing. All right, Jordan. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, so no. Sharp at five. Winslow okay. at four. Okay. Gates at three. He's going to put Gronk at one. My guy, Tony Gonzalez, just misses the one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Gronkowski comes in at the one spot, the greatest tight end, the most powerful tight end to ever play the game. Sometimes it's the so one spot. Just so when it barely. comes to everything, when it comes so here's to overall, my thing. I've got a theory for you guys. Let me just let me. I didn't do this without thinking about it, right? Because I know I was gonna get shit for it. All right. Here's my thing. Gronk was dom. You guys all agree. Gronk was dominant. Was one of the most dominant players ever during the time he played. Yeah. The most dominant tight end ever. He's yeah, I'll give him that. arguably the most dominant player in NFL history at his position. So yeah. here's what I'll say to that. Shaquille O'Neal in basketball is considered, for the time he played with the Lakers, the most dominant, if not one of the most dominant players in NBA history. You could They've made jerseys 
about it. They the Lakers wear their city jersey is called most dominant ever edition. Yeah. yeah. So so Shaq is considered, let's say, the most dominant player ever. Maybe you could have like Michael Jordan or or Kareem, but it's it's probably Shaq, right? Yeah. He was dominant for five ish years with the Lakers, winning three titles, won an MVP, could have won another one. Um, I think that is directly uh, relatable with Gronk in the sense that he wasn't great. Like some of these Titans were like Tony Gonzalez was for 10, 10 years or so, or however long he, he played. Um, but for the time that he played, he engraved himself in NFL, NFL history as the most dominant player ever winning through su- three Super Bowls. Um, obviously multiple pro bowls. I'm not sure exactly how many all pros. Um, and he took the NFL by storm. And I'm not just saying this because look, there's probably a little bit of Patriots bias in it, but I think there's a valid argument to be made that if you rank Shaq high because of his dominance, which is what most people do in terms of an NBA list, there shouldn't really be a huge argument against why Gronk is one over Tony Gonzalez. Just because if you, whenever you make an argument of Shaq over a center, or Shaq over a player, you say, well, Shaq was so dominant during this time, and he did this and he did that. You can make the same argument with Gronk over Tony G. Okay, so here's what I have to say to that, because you're right. Mm-hmm. You're, you're right. Gronk was incredibly dominant. He's got, you know, he's got four first-team All-Pros compared to Tony's six. But here's the thing. Tony Gonzalez played over double the amount of games that Gronk has played in his career. He's, his career was twice as long as Gronk's was. And Gonzalez was consistent throughout the entire thing, from his rookie year with the Chiefs all the way to when he retired with the Falcons. I mean, he, he dropped off a little bit at the end of his Falcons run, but he was still a great tight end, one of the, top in the, one of the tops in the league bef- at the point when he retired. But if you by that logic, if you double Gronk's stats, if you just multiply them by two, if Gronk had the same longevity over the same career length with the same amount of games played as Tony Gonzalez had, Gronk's stats would blow Tony's out of the water. Because Tony retired with 111 touchdowns over 270 games played. Gronk already has 79 with less than half of the games played that Tony has. So he would be absolutely like way past Tony in that, in that respect if, if he played the same length. Same thing with yards. The yards would be comparable, and catches, Tony would still have him beat in terms of receptions if you doubled Gronk's stats. But it's close. And so my thing is, this is the same reason why I have Tom Brady at number one on my all-time quarterbacks list. He's been so great for so long. He's been so great for so long. And it's the argument. Exactly. See, and I think that's a fine argument. But the thing that I I would come back with that is that Tom Brady has not only been great for so long he's been dominant for 20 years he's been as dominant a player a quarterback has ever been for 20 years i don't think tony gonzalez dominated the nfl just like how tom brady tom brady's dominated the nfl for 20 years that would be my argument that that's that's fair so it's just a, it's just an argument of longevity versus dominant yeah, yeah. but it, when we go back to when we go back to when we did running backs i didn't have terrell davis on my list because he didn't he played in the NFL for what six years? He was a beast yeah. when he played. He had the ring, it, but he he didn't have the longevity. So yeah. if I keep Terrell Davis off my list for longevity purposes, I, I can't put Gronk over Tony. That's fair. Well, and I think I think 
Michael Jordan and LeBron get this argument a lot of like LeBron's played going to be playing for 20 years, 20 plus years. MJ, you know, played for, I don't know, 17, when was I say. Yeah, 17 or something. LeBron's going to have probably six, seven, eight years on him. He's going to pass him in points. He's going to pass, you know, he's going to pass he him in every did. category. Yeah. Um, so a lot of, a lot of LeBron fans use that argument of he has more of this, he has more of that. And I think the MJ fans can come back and say, well, look, if he were to have played four more seasons, five more seasons, he would have passed LeBron, which I don't think is, I don't like that argument. I'm not trying to use that with Gronk. I literally just think that um, Gronk's dominance during his, you know, 10 year, eight year, eight year career or so with having four 1000 yard seasons, multiple 10 plus touchdown seasons. Um, he was the most feared receiver in the entire league for, for at least five or six years. And then maybe towards the, I wouldn't even say towards the end he trailed off. He's still that big body that you, know, you had to watch for. So um, again, I'm not saying he's like miles ahead of Tony Gonzalez. It's such, a, it's like a really a back and forth, but I do think Gronk's dominance during his time in his career um, gives him the advantage and who knows what's going to, what's to come this season. And as a fair know, point, if he, uh, if he, you know, somehow bounces back and it's grabs a change. Yeah, it is. You convinced me, Jordan. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna make an <laughs> amendment to my list. <laughs> Let's go. Wow! No Stop way! It. I did my job. It all comes down. It doesn't all come down to this, but this is a main thing. All right. Let's go to Tony Gonzalez's. Actually, no. I gotta. I gotta do this first. Rob Gronkowski's best statistical postseason. 17 receptions, 258 yards, three touchdowns in three games. Tony Gonzalez's all-time playoff stats. I know Gronk is on the Patriots, but Tony Gonzalez, seven games, 30 receptions, 286 yards, four touchdowns. Gronkowski, that's not even fair. Like, numbers. That's not a fair comparison. Because Tony Gonzalez, can you name who Tony Gonzalez's quarterback was when he played with the Chiefs? Because I can't either. No, but I can name who it was when he played with the Falcons. It was Matt yeah, Ryan. Because, because Matt Ryan's a bum. Oh, like, hey. But even I'm still, quarterback even, in the league even, right even, even beyond the postseason, if you're asking me, I want a tight end to play, to make one catch or to have for one game or to even have for one season, who would I rather have? Tony Gonzalez or Rob Gronkowski? I'm picking Gronkowski. Look, I'm going to hop on. Go ahead, Anthony. Go ahead. I'm going to hop on Graham. I'm going to back him up a little bit. If we were comparing the, what did Gronk play, eight seasons, <laughs> yeah, nine seasons eight, before nine he came, eight well, years. Well, it's going to be nine. Yeah, this is about to be the ninth year. Yeah. We're going to take Gronk's first eight years, right? Or his only eight years. And we'll take Tony Gonzalez's first eight years in the league. Gronk honestly beats him in that retrospect. But the fact that Gonzalez played so much longer and he, as you, as Graham said, he was consistent in those years that he's played. So you got to give him the nod there. But if Gronk played... If he didn't retire at all, right? So say we, he, Gronk plays um, the Patriots this season. I don't know. He gets traded to Tampa Bay um, this um, for this upcoming season. So you have the. Two, I'm just gonna go based off of um, what's going on now to get Gronk in Tampa Bay with Brady. So you got Gronk in the, Gronk in there now. So if he plays for as long as Gonzalez did, does he? Um, pass him. And I think it, it depends because we saw the Gronk drop off in his last season with the Patriots. So, would that decline have continued to go downhill? Or would he have bounced back? We, we're never going to know that. 
So as of right now, it's you got to give the nod to Gonzalez. Yeah, I I think I think at this point, like if you were to come back in ten years, if Grant keeps playing, who knows how long he plays for the Buccaneers? Who who knows? He could two years tops. He could play two years. He could just. He could literally just play until Tom retires and then retire right with him, which I think is a very likely scenario. But if if Gronk continues to play at the level that he's been playing for the rest of his career and plays a similar career length as Tony Gonzalez, or even like even like Ozzie Newsom or Mike Ditka, who didn't quite have 200 games played, even somebody like them, even somebody like them. If he were to play at the same level, he probably passes Tony Gonzalez for me. But Gronk just hasn't played long enough. He hasn't even played for an entire decade. And Tony played for two. But but the problem I have with that is there would be a certain section of people. I'm not saying you're in it. I don't know if you are in it. If Gronk came back and played for five years and he was an average tight end, people would make that make, would would portray that as a knock on Gronk and knock I, him I further down the list. Yeah, I, I agree with okay, that. So, I, wouldn't, so, I wouldn't do that. And that's good. But I know there would be people would look at uh, the He's years that he played and say, look, if he were to have played three or four more years in comparison to Gonzalez, he still wouldn't be to where Gonzalez would be. So to me, Gronk was met with too many injuries. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens this year. I don't know if, he, if, he'll, if he'll perform well. It's kind of a question mark. But I, I, I almost don't think I don't think it's necessary for him to come back and prove prove uh, that he's better than Tony G. I, and and it's I think it, I think me and Pat have both had Shaq higher on our all time centers list. So I think it does have to do with dominance. I think we mm-hmm. there's a little bit more value to you guys in longevity, um, and consistency over a certain period of time. Well, the dominance in the league, and in a shorter period of time, maybe holds more weight for me and me and Pat, which I think is the only debate there, because you guys we all agreed. Who was more consistent for a long period of time? Obviously, it's Tony G. Who was more dominant during their period of time? Mm-hmm. It was Gronk. So it's like the, it's kind of just like you know which one do you value more? It's really not like it's not a statistical argument. I feel like just because um, you know the years that they played separated them so considerably. So I think it's just you know which one do you value more? Well, another thing I want to put out there before um, we wrap things up, I want to have like a final statement. Almost is that I think that. Part of the reason that, obviously, you know, injuries, they go beyond just the game, I guess. They can just be like someone's physiology can really factor into them being injury prone. But the reason I think Gronk's career has been, you know, cut short, obviously, with all these injuries, is the fact that he was so dominant. And the fact that you need two or three guys to take him down, going for his knees, going for his head, going for these cheap shots on him. Guys that, you know, Tony Gonzalez wasn't getting that kind of attention. I didn't watch him, but you know he wasn't getting triple teams and double teams all the time and then that was the only way to stop Gronk. right on the other side you know on the other side of things i know we're talking about the postseason obviously Gronk's on the patriots but look back to super bowl 49 they don't win that game without Gronk. what do you have two touchdowns same thing with 53 i'll give you that right 50 yeah. yeah and then you know i don't think tony gonzalez really had the impact that Gronk had on a single game on a single play you didn't know that just throwing it up to this one guy in single coverage, he was going to come down with it every single time. So I yeah. attribute that. It's not like a knock on Tony Gonzalez, really. It's more of just me attributing, yeah. you know, Gronk's yeah. and ability um, to him. But well, one thing I, mean, I want to get, go ahead, Graham. The year when the Falcons made the NFC Championship game against the 49ers, um, I forget which Super Bowl that was. It was the year 47. 47, yeah. It was the year with the, the Joe Flacco Super Bowl. 
but <laughs> the fact, Tony Gonzalez was great over that postseason. He was yeah. very, very good. Those Falcons teams were pretty good, yeah. Because yeah. that was back when they had Roddy White, and I don't think Julio had come into the league yet, but if he had, he was pretty young. Um, yeah, Steven so Jackson was on that Steven team. Steven Jackson, yep. Those Falcons teams were good, but Tony Gonzalez helped them out a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and so it, he did what was in his power. Part of it is the product of his quarterbacks, because at the time when he played with the Falcons, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan wasn't what he is now. And when he played with the Chiefs, he never really had anybody consistently. So when when you I, – I think if you give Tony Gonzalez, if you give him Tom Brady for his entire career, I think that he's even better than what he is now. Like I, Tony Gonzalez would have been equally dominant as Gronk was in his prime if he had Tom Brady as his quarterback instead of Matt Ryan and whoever the heck he had on the Chiefs. That's my take. And that, I think that's a fair take, but the thing that I would say to that is Gronk did most of his damage – after the catch. After the catch. I'll give so you it's that. It's almost like, like it Tony Gonzalez maybe was more known for his route running and his ability to get open. Where Gronk was just like, throw it to me up high with a guy draped on top of me. I'll throw him off and I'll go for another 20 yards but while another guy's trying to tackle me. So it's almost like, you could almost make the argument where like, if you have anyone, any quarterback in history who can hit a target, Gronk has the same success. Maybe not uh, Super Bowl success, but same success in terms of t- statistics yards touchdowns just because of he wasn't some guy where he's not you know obviously like a receiver where he you know you've got to get perfect balls thrown to him it was like here dump it off on a slant route dump it off on a drag route i'll just take off down the field and power through so you could almost make the argument that fair. gronk didn't need brady that's interesting i've never even thought about that that's fair yeah that's uh that was quite a debate we it was like a 20 minute thing yeah <laughs> i was gonna jump in there but you guys kept going at it because i had a I was going to say something about, um, I, for, I don't even know at this point because I completely lost it. I completely lost that train of thought. Hopefully, we'll have. It had to do with Gronk. Some debate. Like, uh, he played his years. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's like fair. I, I mean, there's not. That's an argument. Like, that's not. It's not really an argumentative oh, argument of it. like. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So when you say people would knock Gronk if he played another four or five years. And he played like an average level. People would knock him because Gronk has set the bar so high just for being Gronk, you know. And you mentioned it. It's Good basically, point. oh, throw ball up to Gronk, Gronk catch ball, Gronk run downfield as three guys try and tackle him, you know. <laughs> he kind of – because teams would have the game plan against him specifically. Yeah. And they still couldn't stop him. Like you said, they had to take the cheap hits out of him. He had to take him out of the knees, hit him in the head, um, rough him up a little bit. And – I don't know. I feel like if you really, you can't knock him. You can't. Yeah. I know I tried going off on something there. I, I couldn't really collect my thoughts, but you can't knock him because I don't yeah. even know. I, I, this is my final thought. I'll say on this is that my final statement would be Brady needed Gronk more than Gronk needed Brady, and I think that sums it up pretty well that Gronk didn't need the best quarterback of all time to succeed. It helps. But Brady needed. It really helped. The best. T- oh, it definitely. I, I mean, I think it helped to an extent. But again, I, aside from Super Bowls, I don't see him having that much different success if he has Matt Ryan. I just don't. I think Jordan's okay. got a point there. I'll, I'll give him that. Give I him still, that. I still value Tony Gonzalez's body of work more than Gronk's. For sure. But it's. Yeah, 
I can't deny that the points that you're making are sound. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it's so the Shaq comparison that I made is like the way that they handle them handle themselves with Gronk's kind of like free range, do whatever he wants, you know, kind of attitude was very similar to Shaq's. And some people attribute a lot of people attribute to Shaq's attitude to the reason why he still isn't you know playing today or play, not playing today, but playing <laughs> five years ago, six years ago. Um, and uh, I think you could say the same thing about Gronk if he was maybe took care of his body a bit more. Um, not necessarily. He was like ridiculously athletic and stuff, but who knows? Was he doing the right stuff for injuries in the off season? Was he being kind of careless on the field of just like getting, not going out of bounds when he could and trying to fight for more yards? Um, so I think they're like very similar in in how they played and like how their careers are interpreted uh, interpreted by you know different um, you know sports fans. Yeah. <laughs> There's not much else you can say about it. I know yeah. that um, as we get into our closing, we really, we really milked this down to like it's, 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 it's I knew it was going to happen. Yeah, I yeah. knew it was going to happen from the beginning of the episode. I knew that Jordan was going to have it. See, was going to have Gronk higher. See, at first, I almost thought because because normally you guys rank. I feel like you guys have a little bit more of like I'm going to rank like the, the the hometown players a little bit higher, like with Bill Russell and stuff. Like you had you okay. And on the centers list, you have Bill Russell at what two, three, and I didn't have. Well, okay, I've changed my stance since we since we made that list. Okay, okay, we covered that last week. Yeah, and I thought I thought it was kind of going to be the same thing where like I didn't have Gronk at one, and you guys had Gronk at one, and I was like, oh, here we go. Like I'm going to get ripped by the people in the comments, but the tides have turned. Oh well. Well, I know that Anthony has a very special uh, close this week, so he can go ahead and get into that. Um. Yeah. So as of late, uh. My town of Lindenhurst has really been rallying behind um, a buddy of mine by the name of Jared Barber. Um, I would say he was a, um, a friend of mine. We hung out for a period of time, and he's just been fighting like a motherfucker lately. Yeah, I said it there, but he, this kid really deserves it. Um, one of the toughest kids I know, and he's really fighting right now. Um, he's in the hospital or whatever, and he's just learning how to do basic things again, things we take for granted. And I just wanted to use my platform here that we have at Ride the Wave Media to kind of put that out there. We've done it. We've raised over 20,000, not, not we, not me, myself, but the town of Lindenhurst has, um, has raised over $20,000 already for him for his medical bills and stuff. So I'm going to I'm going to have Jordan attach a little link in the description to, if you guys want to go donate to that. Anything I'm telling you, anything works. Um, I don't know if Jared really knows because I haven't talked to him in a really long time. If he knows I'm really doing any of this stuff, so if any of your family sees this, just know we're we're all me myself and all of us that ride the wave meteor behind you, bud. Well said. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't think any of us should follow that. I think that about yeah, wraps no. it up. That'll end. That'll end it right there. Yeah, we'll throw a link down below, and we'll probably have something on the main page when our back, podcast yeah. gets posted. So look for that, and yeah. All right. Appreciate the listen, guys. We'll be back at it next week. Coming at you with another list. If you've got something, we we created a new Instagram account. So follow us on Instagram at New Guys Pod if you're listening, or at New Guys Podcast. I can't remember. It should come up if you follow right away. New Guys Pod. So follow us and uh, drop a follow. And if you want, we are taking requests for future top ten lists all the time. ideas are always accepted so hit us in the dms if you've got something that you want us to cover in a future episode and we'll see you next time yeah this is peace
Isso. 